We have this expression uh, around the world in this time of the year. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And that can mean something very different depending on which part of the world you're actually experiencing that. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, in the colder parts of the world, you'd be thinking as soon as it starts snowing and we light the fireplace and we're cranking up the eggnog, it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. That's not our experience here in Perth, obviously. Our experience here in Perth is when the temperature hits 40 degrees, and we think to ourselves, man, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And yesterday, congratulations to those of you who are still alive. It was brutal. Um, Louie and I keep backyard chickens now, and chickens' body temps run about four degrees higher than humans. And so Louie and I nearly had an impromptu roast chicken dinner last night, but... uh, but, but thanks to some hosing, they got through. So uh, thanks for your prayers. Uh, the real chickens of Kensington appreciate them. It's fantastic. One of the things that brings us together when we say it's starting to look a lot like Christmas globally is, uh, is memes, Christmas-related memes coming through your uh, social media feed. Anyone see any Christmas-related memes? Rolling th- I, I saw many, many, many. I don't wanna show you, uh, except there was one. There's one I just thought I had to show you. And this is, this is my favourite uh, Christmas meme this year. After the three wise men left, the three wiser women arrived with fresh diapers, casseroles for the week, and wine. Uh, We have just under 40 hours until the dawn of Christmas Day. And earlier this year, I gave some parenting advice. Uh, It was sort of not timely then, it was more of a forecast thing, but it's very, very timely now. It has to do with uh, behaviour management. You know, some of your kids, they're probably uh, uh, upping their sugar intake and maybe there's some kind of behavioural management challenges. So here's here's what my advice is for you. You've got 48 hours to play this one. Uh, get some empty boxes, wrap them in Christmas wrapping paper and put them under the tree. And when Junior or Little Miss misbehave, take one of those wrapped empty boxes into the backyard and set it on fire. (laughs) You're welcome. Hey, so now we've been taking uh, a little bit of a poll in the weeks leading up to Christmas. I've just been trying to get a sense of who I'm talking to, who we've got here. And great to have those of you joining with us the first time here this morning. So I wanna kind of revisit that poll and uh, first time guests include you in that. When we did the polls, I discovered that not only is Christmas the most wonderful time of the year, but it became very evident to me that Christmas is the most opinionated time of the year because people had some very, very strong opinions around some of the things we associate with Christmas. I asked the question, when is it appropriate to open your gifts? Question, who thinks, and I want, I want you to give me a show of hands, you only can open Christmas presents on Christmas Day. Christmas Day people here, Christmas Day people. Okay, yep, you are a mean-spirited bunch. How many, how many of you think it's appropriate Christmas Eve? How many Christmas Eve? Okay, wow. See, now some of you to put your hands up. Does, does it, anyway, well, now, here's a hack. I owe my father this one. Here's a hack. I grew up in the Catholic Church. Catholics have a thing called Midnight Mass. And so at midnight, they have a church service, goes about 45 minutes to an hour. And uh, my father would drag us all to midnight mass. 
Now to the naked eye, to our neighbours and our friends and family, that made us as a family look very, very spiritual, that we would stay up till midnight and we'd put on our Christmas clothes and we'd, we'd go to church and we wouldn't get home till 1.30 in the morning. That was never my father's motive. My father was like, I, he loved opening presents so much that he knew he wasn't gonna sleep anyway. So here's what we'll do. We'll kill two birds with one stone. We're gonna do the church thing. So let's go to midnight mass and then we open our presents when we got home, 1.30 a.m. Christmas Day. Genius, genius, genius hack. All right, here's one. Christmas music, only in December. Who are only in December Christmas music? See, very strong opinions, I'm telling you. Who, all year round. We've got any all year round people. So we've got a few all year round people. It's fantastic, okay? Now, while we're on the subject of Christmas music, I need to clarify something for you. Wham's The Last Christmas is not a Christmas song, right? No, wait, wait, wait. I know it sounds controversial, but I want you to think about this for a minute. You can simply replace, when you're listening to that song, go home and stream it. I, this is my guarantee. You can simply replace the word Christmas with any day of the week and that song will hold up. Let me give you an example and I'll give you a spoken word example. I won't sing for you, you're welcome. Last Wednesday, I gave you my heart and the very next day, you gave it away. Christmas song. All right, what about Christmas lights? Now, Christmas lights, we didn't take this poll. I'm gonna do, just introduce a new poll. Christmas lights. Some people think that all of your Christmas lights should be white, should be matchy-matchy. You people buy Apple products. How many people are all matchy-matchy? Matchy-matchy, fantastic. How many, how many people are all like, man, no, colours, the more the merrier, the more the merrier. All right, fantastic. Now, now, what you might not realise, there's actually a third category of people who have strong opinions when it comes to Christmas lights. They're the people that love Christmas lights, but are too lazy to put them up, all right? How many of you fit into that category? All right, God bless you, I say, friends. <laughs> but chances are, I'm speaking to a room of adults. I know some of you struggle with that sometimes, but I'm speaking to a room of adults. And chances are, over the years, as you've uh, kind of chronologically walked into the era of adulting, that Christmas has changed for you quite dramatically. You know, when you were a kid, you had two months holidays around the Christmas time. Presents would magically appear under the tree. Food would magically appear on the table. Relatives would magically knock on the door and give you gifts. In fact, you hadn't even developed a distaste for any of your relatives up to that point. You just thought, you bring the gifts, you just keep on coming. But now that you're an adult, things look very, very different. You're now the one schlepping around buying the presents. You're now the one shopping for the food and prepping the food. And as far as having two months off, you're just grateful if you get two days off around Christmas. And what this can mean as we kind of fall backwards into the adult experience of Christmas is if we're not careful, Christmas can lose the wonder that it held for us when we were a kid. And in fact, I wanna share with us today the actual event that sparked Christmas. The very first Christmas was a day and an event that was actually marked with wonder at its epicenter. So I wanna just airdrop us into a little bit 
of that story. And it's okay if this story is not familiar with you. This is gonna be like a little 40-hour cramming session uh, to get us focused. And I'm gonna catch you up with a bit of the Christmas story if this is a new experience to you. If you've got our Elevate app, you can uh, actually pop that open now and and tap the Bible tile. It'll take you to the story that I'm gonna uh, walk through, but we're also gonna put it on the screens as well. So if you've got our app and you're lazy or you don't have our app, I'll bring it to you on the screens as well. But there's four people who wrote an account of the first Christmas, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And combined, those four writers, there were over 40 times when they used the words joy and the words wonder when it came to how people responded to Jesus during His life on this earth. And I wanna just look at a little slice of Luke's account. Now, Luke was a doctor and long after Jesus had been born, and was crucified and resurrected. Long after that, Luke as a doctor, not a follower of Jesus, he started hearing stories about this person, Jesus, and about the life he lived and the miracles he'd done. And he thought to himself, you know, I'm gonna investigate this. Because if this is true, then this is the most remarkable thing that has ever happened in the history of mankind. And so he put his doctor's hat off and he put his, an investigative journalist hat on. And he went looking and interviewing eyewitnesses who had, who had seen the various things that Jesus had done through his life. And because he was interviewing eyewitnesses, and so the the account that we read of Luke's story of Jesus' life is actually based on eyewitness accounts. It does not begin with once upon a time. It's not a fairy tale. It's a collection of eyewitness accounts. And here's an eyewitness account of what we now consider the very first Christmas. And Luke writes this. So remember, Luke wasn't there. This is eyewitness accounts. There were sheep herders camping in the neighbourhood and they'd set night watches over their sheep and suddenly God's angels stood among them and God's glory blazed around them and they were terrified and the angel said, and by the way, the angel said the three most useless words to say to somebody who's terrified, don't be afraid. Those words don't help. When you go to Queenstown, and decide to bungee jump for the first time and your ankles are tied together and you're looking down and you stand on the edge and the person says to you, Hebrew, don't be afraid. That's not helpful in that moment. So, however, in this particular instance, those three words were helpful because the angel declared why he'd shown up. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A Saviour has just been born in David's town, a Saviour who is Messiah and Master. See, these shepherds were just like you. They were doing their ordinary life. Cell phones were going off. It was just normal. (laughs) Maybe that's the angel phoning. (laughs) They were just doing their thing. They were at work. And an angel appeared and he came with incredible news for them. And what we need to realise is that in this moment, this was a hinge moment. This was a hinge moment for them in their lives because when we're busy, when when, when our calendar's already full and somebody or something comes along with something surprising, something we hadn't factored in, something we hadn't scheduled, something we hadn't budgeted for, something we hadn't uh, created room in our calendar to be able to take leave from our job and go and do. When, When something like that happens, it's a hinge moment. We can either say yes 
and, and, and follow that and, and go and give that our attention or we can say no and carry on doing the things that we were doing. This was exactly the same for the shepherds back then as it is for us today, that Christmas is a time where Jesus is calling us and he's saying, friends, push pause. Push pause because I've got wonder for you. I've got joy for you. You think of this as the silly season that was never my intention. This was meant to be the wonder season, the joy season. And so we have around Christmas time, a reminder that Jesus is calling, but it's a hinge moment. And so these shepherders, sheep herders, Luke writes of their account, as the angel choir withdrew into heaven, that would have been pretty cool to see, the sheep herders talked it over. Should we go or should we stay? And to their credit, they said, nah, let's get over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. And so they left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. And they told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. And all who heard the sheep herders were impressed. You see, if we don't push pause and give Jesus some of our attention, what was meant to be special merely becomes stressful. What was intended to, intended to be meaningful simply becomes manic. And I'm talking to a group of 21st century Western living people this morning. And whether you realise it or not, stressful has become the new normal. So much so that some of you don't remember anything else. Don't remember life pre-stress. In fact, you may be even discounted that that's even a thing. That's even an option that there is even a hinge moment. And we say, we're busy. And I always call that one out. Busy, everyone's busy. Everyone fill, fills 24 hours a day. Nobody's more busy than anyone else. But what Jesus didn't intend for us is to be so manic and so stressful and so driven and pushed and cajoled and bent and twisted and pulled and contorted that what was meant to be special became stressful. When you think about Christmas, do you think about joy and wonder and peace or do you think about stress and manic and mayhem and pressure? It was never Jesus' intention. And so I'm... I'm glad you're here because this is an opportunity with about 40 hours to go for me just to, just to invite you as we stand in this hinge moment. Should we go to Jesus or should we carry on doing what we've already planned to do that doesn't give him any of our attention? Thinking about the Grinch leading into Christmas. And if you're not a Grinch spurt, let me uh, catch you up on the story. The Grinch lived just outside of a place called Whoville. And uh, the Grinch didn't like Christmas. The people in Whoville loved Christmas. And so the Grinch decided he was going to spoil Christmas for the residents of Whoville. And so on Christmas Eve, after they'd all, all the Whovillians had gone to sleep, the Grinch snuck into Whoville, went into every house and stole all the presents and took them back to uh, his area. And the plan was when the people from Whoville woke up and looked under the tree that there was no presence there. It was going to ruin Christmas for all of them. And so Christmas morning came and the Grinch was so excited that people of Whoville were going to find there was no presence and it was going to ruin Christmas for them entirely. 
And yet what he discovered was this. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. It came, somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling, how could it be so? It came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. That's my favourite line. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Now, if you back up in the story, when the Grinch was espousing his disdain for Christmas, people were trying to figure out why and they couldn't figure out why. They thought it was because he was wearing shoes two sizes too small. That was a theory as to why the Grinch didn't like Christmas. But another theory was maybe his heart was too small. And what miraculously happened is he looked out of this window to the who villains celebrating Christmas without any presents is that his heart actually grew three sizes larger in that moment and caused him, it was a hinge moment, to take all of the gifts and return them to the people of Whoville and celebrate the day with them. Maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. This revelation, this realization was a game changer for the Grinch, and it was a game changer for the people around him. It was also a game changer for the shepherds and I'd put it to you and to, and to me, if we take a moment and push pause and give Jesus some of our attention this Christmas, it can be a game changer for us as well. Here's what happened after the shepherds had chosen to give Jesus their attention. The sheep herders returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they'd heard and seen. And it turned out exactly the way they'd been told. And so for us, in this 40-hour window, which doesn't seem long and we're gonna spend some of it sleeping, some of it eating, some of it doing the things that we're going to do. I'm not saying do nothing between the now and the dawn of Christmas morning, but how can we give Jesus a little of our attention? How can we swing the hinge over to His way in a way that maybe we weren't going to do? Well, first of all, you decided to come and celebrate Christmas with Elevate. So as far as that goes, well done. You can give yourself a gold star. That was a pro move. But here's another couple of very, very easy, low-hanging fruit pro moves that you can do. One is that story of Luke's account. If you download the Elevate app or you've got it already, tap that Bible title. It's actually gonna have the whole story already there for you. You're, you don't even need to own a Bible. You can actually access it there. And just take a few minutes between now and the dawn of Christmas morning for yourself just to read that story and read it slowly. Try to get through it so you can close that app and get back to Instagram. Read it slowly and just allow that joy and that wonder of that very first Christmas of Jesus' birth, just allow that to create some space. Allow your heart to grow another size or two larger. Here's another one. Some of you have already bought gifts and wrapped gifts and you've got the gifts ready. Here's another one. You know, one of the most... Um, 
significant things that we have more than ever before, and I've already referenced it, is, is our time. And, and we can buy someone a gift, and, and, and I'm sure that those of you who have bought people gifts, it's, it's all very heartfelt, it's all very real. I'm not poo-pooing the, the purchasing of, of physical gifts. But here's something that I would encourage you to consider in addition to that, or maybe alongside that, is, is do an act of service for somebody that you haven't currently committed to do. Offer to maybe clean someone's house or clean, help them clean out their shed or, or help. I don't mean necessarily between now and Christmas, but make that offer and, and, and create some space for them. Offer to, to, to mow your neighbor's lawn for them. And, and whether they've got a mower or not, see, that's not the point. It's you saying, I'm gonna actually give you some of my time. Those of you that live with your parents still, millennials, offer to clean your room, your room. I'm telling you, go a long way. I'm telling you. Well, here's another one. Give somebody the gift of forgiveness this year. Now, I don't have time to unpack all that God has to say about the power of forgiveness, but He has a lot to say about it. And uh, we do teach about it. But let me just drop a couple of truth bombs for you. Because some of you, when I say forgiveness, that name sprung straight to the front of your brain. You know exactly who I'm talking about. You know that person that you'd cross the street to avoid or reschedule Christmas lunch to Christmas dinner because they're going to be at Christmas lunch? Or hide your phone when caller ID comes up and it's their name? Delete the email, unfollow them on social media because you just can't bring yourself to interact with them because of what they said, because of what they did because of what they didn't do, because of how they made you feel, because of how they raised you, because of how they treated you. Some of you have got that name. And you can actually, here's the thing about forgiveness. Not for, one of the challenges about forgiveness, and I've shared this here, so some of you heard me say this. One of the challenges with forgiveness is if you're a justice person, you're all about people getting what they deserve. But that's not justice, that's revenge. And not only is it not justice, but it's certainly the opposite of forgiveness because forgiveness is giving people what they don't deserve. And you think, well, why would I do that? Because that person hurt me. That person wronged me. They need to get what they deserve. Yeah, but here's the problem. While you're thinking that and stewing on that and mulling over that and lying awake at night thinking about that, and even now as I've caused you to have to bring that person's name to the front of your brain and it's bothering you, the thing about not forgiving someone is you're drinking poison hoping the other person's going to die. Because that's what unforgiveness does. It actually erodes our soul. Often the people that have wronged us, they've just carried on living life just like nothing ever happened. And it's you that's having your soul eaten away little by little. <laughs> and so, by, and so here, by giving them the gift of forgiveness, you're actually giving yourself a gift as well at the very same time. And it's a gift that keeps on giving because you'll make room in your own soul for joy and wonder and peace, something that had been crowded out because you've been locked up with unforgiveness. So that's just an invitation. Probably didn't see it coming. 
But uh, God guarantees that everyone wins when you give the gift of forgiveness. Well, on behalf of Elevate Church, we certainly want to welcome you here for the first time, for those of you that are first-time guests, and say to all of you this morning, very uh, Merry Christmas to you and to your families, and uh, today is only 32 degrees. God bless you all.